to My Favorite Theorem, a math podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Evelyn Lamb. I'm a freelance math and science writer in Salt Lake City, Utah. And this is your other host. Hi, I'm Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. How's it going? All right. It is a bright, sunny winter day today. So that I really like, I mean, I'm from Texas originally, so I'm not big on winter in general. Mm -hmm. But if winter has to exist, um, sunny winter is better than cloudy winter. Sure. So, yeah. Sunny winter is great. I mean, it's sunny yeah. winter day in Florida, too, which today means it is currently, according to my watch, 81 degrees. Oh, great. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry to rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. It is yep. um, a bit cooler than that here. I imagine so. So, so yeah. Yep. Um, anything new with you? No, no, um, no. Well, actually, so so my, I might be going to visit my son in a couple of weeks because the he's studying music composition, right? And uh, the the orchestra at his at his university is going to play one of his pieces, and so kind of excited very about that. exciting yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah but that's about it otherwise you know just dealing with uh downed trees in the neighborhood and not in our yard luckily but you know stuff like that that's it okay yeah, yeah. well we're very happy today to have rebecca garcia as a guest hi rebecca how are you hi evelyn half a day i should say half a day evelyn and half a day kevin ah okay Thanks for having me on the program. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what is half a day? Did you say? Yeah, that's right. That's how we. That's our greeting in in Chamorro. Okay, uh, so you are originally from Guam, and is Chamorro the name of a language or the name of a group of people, or or I guess both? Mm -hmm. um, it's both, actually. Okay. Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. And so Chamorro is a is is like the native language in the island, and uh, but. People there speak English mostly, um, mm -hmm. and as far as I'm able to tell, I think I'm the first Chamorro PhD in pure mathematics. Oh wow! Uh, right. Wow. <laughs> well, and it, you are you're definitely the first Chamorro guest on our show. I think. Yay! I, I think the first Pacific Island guest I think also. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, how did you? So you currently are not in Guam. You actually live in Texas, right? I do. I'm a professor at Sam Houston State University, which is in Huntsville, Texas, north of Houston. And I'm also one of five co-directors of the MSRI undergraduate program. Oh, oh right. nice. Mm -hmm. That seems like it is a great program. So how did you, how, how did you get from Guam to Huntsville? <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. That is a that is a long, long journey. Um literally. But yeah. <laughs> so, um I started out as a as a an undergraduate at Loyola Marymount University. Mm -hmm. And I had the uh the thought of becoming a medical doctor. Um and so I thought we were supposed to do some, you know, life science or you know like chemistry or biology or something along those lines and so i started out as one of those majors and had to take calculus and fell in love with calculus and and the and the professors in the math department and i was drawn to mathematics and that's how i ended up on the mathematics side um and one of the things that uh i learned in my undergraduate uh, career was 
uh, these really crazy math facts about the rational numbers. And so, um, and so that's what one of the things that started interesting me interest oh, that interested me in in mathematics was mm -hmm. just the different types of infinities, the concept of uncountable and countable, and those sort of things. Yeah, those those seem to be the kinds of facts that draw a lot of people into kind of this rich world of creativity and math that you might not initially think of as related to math when you're going through school. So I think this brings us to your favorite theorem, or at least the favorite theorem you want to talk about today. Sounds like um, it. Yeah. So what is that? Yeah. So it's it's more, I would say, more of a, a fun fact of mathematics that uh, the rationals, first of all, are countable, uh, meaning you can, uh, they are in one-to-one -one correspondence with the natural numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can kind of, uh, you know, label them. There's a first one and a second one in some way, not necessarily in the obvious way. But then at the same time, they are dense in the real numbers. So that to me just blows my mind that uh, between any two real numbers, there's a rational number. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, so you can't, like, take a little chunk of the real line and miss all the rational numbers. Right. That's right. Right. That, to me, just blows my mind uh, because, and then you just sort of start, you know, your brain just starts messing with you, you know, between zero and one, there are infinitely many rational numbers, and yet there's, and, and there, yet they're still countable and it, it just it just starts to mess with your mind a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we were we were talking about this a little bit before. And it's this weird thing. Like, yeah, there's like uh, countable is like a smallness thing. And yet mm -hmm. dense is like they're, <laughs> you know, they fill up the whole interval in this way. I mean, it, it is really weird. So where where did mm -hmm. you first encounter this? Uh, this was in a in a class in real analysis. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's where I started to, I thought I was going to be a functional analyst. I thought I was, that's what I wanted to do. Just I love real analysis. That didn't happen either. <laughs> but, um, but it was in that class Sorry. where we were talking about just these strange facts, like the counter set. Uh, that set is a, uh, a set of, it's a, set, a subset of the reels that is uncountable. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, it, it's sparse. It's totally disconnected, as the topology. Totally would say. disconnected. Right. There you go. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so then all these weird things are happening, and you're just you're just in this world where you thought you understood the real line, and then they throw these things at you, like the reals are dense. I mean, the rationals are dense in the reals. You have these weird, uncountable sets that are totally disconnected. What's going on? It just, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's where I started. Uh, to hear about all these weird things happening in right, so so one of two things happens when people learn these things, right? It either blows their mind so much they can't keep going, mm -hmm. or it intrigues them so much that right. you want to learn more, but not be an analyst, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. At some point, I fell in love with um, with like computational algebraic geometry and. Mm -hmm these Grobner bases and how you can really get your hands on some of these things and their applications to 
combinatoric. So I ended up, I, I had an algebraist heart, but I was exposed to some really good analysts early in my career. And so I was very confused, <laughs> but I've always, I, I, I stayed true to my algebraic heart and followed that mostly. And, and so is this a fact that you get to teach to your students now ever? Uh, so no, this is not, but I, but I do get to talk about, uh, or I, I do like to talk about the different infinities and things along those lines. And I like to, like before class, I come in early and I'll, and I'll have a little, um, a little chat with them about just like the fact that, you know, they, they don't, they don't understand that math is not done. Uh, so mm -hmm. <laughs> there's still so much to do and they have no idea that, you know, there's, what what is research like? What does that mean? And so I talk about sort of open questions. And so I bring some of that in the beginning of class and just these concepts like that, that had also drawn me in about the different kinds of infinities and um, these weird concepts about the rationals being dense and, you know, just things like that. I do get to talk about it, but it's not a class that I would, not in a class that I would uh, teach the material on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just going back to this idea that like you've got the rationals that are dense. So it's this like measure zero small set, but it's like everywhere. And then you've got the canter set, which is yes. uh, uncountable and sparse. It's like it's like there we've got these various ways of measuring these sets and you'd think that they'd line up in in like some, yes. some natural way, and yet they don't. It's just like you know, the density is measuring a different type of property of the numbers than the measure is. That's and, exactly. Or the count. And actually, I guess countability is a different thing from right. that also. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so weird. And it, it's hard to keep all these things straight. My husband is does a lot of analysis and like has, yeah, all of these, you know, <laughs> remembering like what kinds of sets are what and and what have the properties yeah. they have and yeah, and I don't have <laughs> no, that's this, completely straight. This but. is why I'm a topologist. Yeah. <laughs> Boggles of, yeah, everything's yeah. I guess but I mean topology is like Oh, it's weird too. Secretly analysis. Or, or, well, or like analysis wishes it was topology. Maybe. So my, my, my old undergraduate advisor who passed away last summer, and I was really sad about that, but he always, he always referred to topology as analysis done right. <laughs> which is, which Shots is, fired. Well, which is cheap, of course, right? Because you prove all this stuff in, in topology. Like, oh, the image of a connected set is connected. Yeah, that's easy. Now go off to the real line and prove that the connected sets are the intervals. That's the hard part, right? So uh, he's being disingenuous, but it was, it, it's a good line. Right. Right. <laughs> so you said that you ran into this. Was this an undergraduate class where you first saw these notions of countability and everything? Right. It was an undergraduate class uh, where I ran into those notions. And um, I was a I was a junior. Well, I guess it was in my second year as a or second semester junior where I where we were talking about these strain sets. and. Uh, and that's when I um, had also thought about going on to graduate school and wanting to do mathematics for the rest of my life. It was, I mean, I did want to, I was, I was a major by then, of course, but I just didn't know what I was going to do. But it wasn't until then when I learned about, um, well, this, is, this could be a career for you. This might be something you like to do. And um, 
of course, uh, this was many, many years ago. And nowadays, you can do so much more with mathematics, obviously. I mean, like, we know that we can do so much more, I should say. Uh, we've always been able to do so much more. We just haven't been able to share that with our students so much. We never really spend the time to let them know there's so many careers in mathematics that one can do. Uh, but um, anyway, at that, at that time, I was, I was drawn into really thinking about becoming a mathematician. And that's what was one of the experiences that, that made me th think that there's so much more to this than, than I originally thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I, I talked to a lot of people, you know, in my job, writing and and doing podcasts and stuff right. about math. And there's so many people who don't realize that like math research is a career you can do. Mm -hmm. um, right. And the more, yeah, the more we can share these kinds of aha moments and insights, uh, right. the better. And, and, you know, just show like, well, you can use, you know, kind of the logic and the rules of the game to like, find out these really surprising aspects of numbers. Right. And I think also uh, one of the experiences that I've had as an undergrad that really just sort of sealed the deal, I'm going to go into mathematics, was uh, doing an undergraduate research program um, as a student. Well, it wasn't really at the time an undergraduate research program. It was just another a summer program because mm -hmm. this was so many years ago, almost before all of that. Um, and I had the chance to spend a summer just... Um, thinking about mathematics at a, at a, at a higher level uh, with a cohort of other students who were like-minded as well, you know, and it was, it was really, it was, it was like, oh, I can do this for the rest of my life. Like, how amazing is that? And so I was part of a summer program in, well, as an undergrad. And then when I was a graduate student, um, my lifelong mentor, Herbert Medina, was running a program in Puerto Rico and asked me to be a TA and while well, I was a grad student. And so like, this was some of the things that led me to uh, do what I do now, working with undergraduates, um, doing research in mathematics. Mm -hmm. and, and so that ties in then to the MSRI uh, program that you are part of, right? The Right. I guess it, I've seen it written like MSRI up. So I guess that's undergraduate. Yes. Program. Undergraduate <laughs> program. That's right. Yeah. Well, that that's sort of like a, like the the a different stage that I'm at now. But yeah, before that, I, I started my own undergraduate research program um, together with uh, colleagues in, in Hawaii um, at the University of Hawaii at Hilo. And we ran an, an undergraduate research program. Uh, called Pure Math, and that was Pacific Undergraduate Research Experience in Mathematics. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ran that for five years. And then, and then I ended up moving into uh, the, a co-director role at MSRA Up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. no, that's a great well, program. Yep. Yeah. So the other thing we like to ask our guests to do is to pair their theorem with something. Um, so, you know, just like just the right wine can enhance that meal. <laughs> you know, what would you recommend um, enjoying uh, the density of the rationals with? Well, I, I did think about this a bit. And um, one of the things that I think, you know, you think the rationals are dense, but they really shouldn't be. <laughs> um, so 
uh, I think of foods that are dense, but they really shouldn't be. And mm. for <laughs> one of those foods that comes to mind, uh, especially being here in Texas, uh, but also being married to a mathematician who is from Mexico, um, is tamales. So tamales really should not be dense. Mm. <laughs> they should be fluffy mm -hmm. and, um, and sumptuous. But uh, here in Texas, you find really dense tamales, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But, uh, but it, it was strange to also discover that uh, growing up in Guam, we also have our own version of tamales. Um, and a lot of the foods are related in some way to foods from Mexico. So I feel like there's this huge, rich connection between um, myself being from Guam, my husband from being Mexico, you know, being Mexican. And, and there's this, this strange richness that we share this culture that, I don't know, it just blows my mind too. So <laughs> the same way that the rationals being dense in the reels blows my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I have to ask more about... Um this tamale-like creation uh, from, like, in traditional Guam cuisine. What are, yeah, like, intrigued. is that wrapped in, like, banana leaves or ah, something like well, that? It ought to be, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe traditionally it was. I think that uh, nowadays it's, it's not that way. They, they usually serve it in, in aluminum foil, um, mm. and it's made, but it's a, it's a, it's a mixture like tamales. So tamales in Mexico are made mm -hmm. with corn. Right. I was and, about to ask this. Uh, what are they made of in Guam? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so in Guam, we actually use uh, like a rice, like a like a rice product that's okay. Like, mm, it's okay. ground up just like corn. And so instead of corn, we're using rice, and it's flavored in different ways. Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. I have kind of in my mind because I'm I'm more familiar with this. Like almost is it kind of like a mochi texture? Um, oh, because you... I mean, that's a rice product, but maybe right. it's not, maybe that's like more gelatinous than this would be. Mm. Yeah, I guess mochi is really uh pounded, and yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's more chewy. Mm -hmm. I think the tamal, the tamale, well, you wouldn't say tamal like that, uh, but but tamales in Guam are, I guess, they're they're very soft and okay. Um, mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I don't know how to describe it, <laughs> but it's well, it's a very soft textured uh, food. Well, I would imagine the rice could be softer than. I mean, corn can get very dense, especially when you start to put lard in it and things like that. Yes, um, right. yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, but uh... it it is delicious, and oh my, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cannot get enough tamales. But... No, well, yeah, maybe you can, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I should, <laughs> I should learn. <laughs> yeah, well, nice. I unfortunately we we do have. Um, a couple uh, restaurants in Salt Lake um, that are like Pacific Island restaurants, but more mm. like we have more um, people from Samoa and Tonga here. I don't know oh, if yes. we have a lot of people from Guam here. There, yeah, there's actually like a surprising number of like Samoans who live in Salt Lake. Like who knew? Um, right. Who, Interesting. But, yeah, it's it's because of like the history of Mormon missionaries. That's what um, I was gonna. That's what I was gonna right. ask. Yeah, yeah right. It, it you know the world is very interesting, but mm -hmm. it is. but yeah, I I don't know if I've seen this kind of food there. I will just have to you know if I'm ever in Huntsville, I've got to get you to make me some of this. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just inviting myself over for dinner now. Hope you awesome. don't mind. That would be great. It would be wonderful <laughs> to have you here. 
Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share? We'd like to give our guests a chance to like share, you know, if they've got a, a website or blog or book or anything. They, But also if you'd want, want to share information about MSRI Up, like application information, anything like that mm-hmm. for students, uh, anything you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know. I just like rattled <laughs> off a ton of things. <laughs> well, yes, I do have, um, I guess there, I would like to say that uh, for the undergraduate listeners in the, um, in the audience. So please consider applying to our MSRI UP program. Um, I, I think, and just in general, apply to a research program in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, these are paid opportunities uh, for you to expand your mind and do some mathematics in, an, in, a, in a great environment. And so I highly recommend um, considering applying for that. It, and so this is the time right now, of course, by the time the listeners hear mm. this yeah. podcast, I'm sure it'll be over. But yeah, <laughs> um, consider doing some undergraduate research or using your summer wisely. <laughs> I, I parked cars in the summer in college. <laughs> you parked cars. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never... You never know the connections that might happen, though, because I was talking to someone one time who basically his big break to, like, get to go to grad school came because, like, somehow he was involved in, like, parking enforcement somewhere and some math professor called in to complain about, like, getting a ticket and one thing led to another and then he ended up in grad school. So, Mm. really, you never know. Maybe that's not the ideal route to take. But there are right. more direct routes, but but yeah, there are many paths. Yes, there are. And there there's also another uh I guess another thing to plug would be we um well I was I was uh, contributed to a book that uh Dr. Pamela Harris and others have uh put together on undergraduate research. So mm-hmm. that just I guess that was just re- released. I'm, I'm not oh, entirely great. sure now. Um, I think it was accepted, and I don't know if if one is able to purchase it. But uh, if you if you consider working with your students on undergraduate research, this is a great resource to use to get you going, I guess. And okay. so, great. oh, awesome! So this is like a a resource for like faculty, for faculty. who want to work with undergraduates. Oh, that's great! Yes, we will right. find a link to that and put that in the mm-hmm. show notes for people. That sounds good. Okay. Great. Right. Right. Thanks for so much for joining us. Yeah, it's been great Thank fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lamb. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chan Wen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudson.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at nibiknazdunk, that's Kevin spelled backwards, followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at my favorite theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics. <laughs>